Good morning. We welcome you to the Lord's house today. Would you stand with us? And we, we're going to pray. Just wanted to do this at the beginning, take a little time. It's so easy to come into the Lord's house and uh, kind of be consumed with everything that's, that's happened last week, maybe things that are on your mind right now. And it's, it's hard to get it out of your mind. I know how that is. Or maybe you're thinking about things you need to do next week or you're, you're worried and stressed about different things. Everybody in the room probably knows what that's like. And so uh, this is just a chance for us to um, stop and uh, kind of try with the Lord's help to put some of those things out of our mind and just worship him, okay? So let's, let's do that. Let's just, let's just make, that, make that effort that, you know, Lord, I want to come into your house and worship Jesus and just, just do that, okay? So let's uh, pray. God, as we come into your house, help us to do that, to worship you. Uh, your word tells us that you're looking for people who will, who will worship you in spirit and in, and in truth. That worship part is, is often uh, kind of a hard place to come to, kind of a hard place to, place to find. And it is life that does that to us, the stress, the worry, the busyness. Uh, it's so easy to get caught up in, in all of that. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of good things, a lot of good things that, we're, that we're, we are involved in, that we do. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. But this time right here is also special. And it is, this is the chance for us to take the Lord's day and to worship the Lord in the Lord's house. So help us to do that. Help us to, to just kind of put everything else aside to worship, worship Jesus right now. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In the darkness, my 
that is who you are you are here touching every heart i worship you i worship you you are here healing every heart i worship you I worship you. You are here, turning lives around. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, mending every heart. I worship you. I worship you, and you are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Daddy! 
light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you
All right, we welcome you again to the Lord's house. We're going through the book of Hebrews on Sunday. We're at Hebrews chapter 2, and today just one verse. Uh, I just uh, really can't get past just this one verse. So here it is, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. And we'll read it here in just a second, let you kind of get there. Hebrews 2, verse 10. I'm going to read it very slowly, and I want you to pick out the words and the meaning and the, just the what a great verse it is talking about almost all of Hebrews 2 and especially this last part is going to be talking about Jesus becoming man God not Jesus becoming well it is that Jesus becoming man God becoming man through Jesus in him and what that means and so almost the whole chapter deals with that issue of God becoming man in 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 Jesus so as we continue on especially through the rest of the chapter that's just kind of will be the theme almost every week and it is the theme to today in verse 10 for it is fitting I want you to see that verse it's fitting it's appropriate it fits it's fitting that for him it is fitting for him for Jesus now this next phrase will remind you a lot of, a lot of Colossians 1.16 that says we were made uh, by him and for him. Okay, the next phrase is fitting, it fits, it's appropriate for him, for Jesus, for whom are all things and by whom are all things. It's almost exactly the same thing said in a different way. You were made by him and for him. And this is saying exactly the same thing for whom all things and that would be you and by whom are all things that would be you so he made you for himself created you for himself and everything uh one one author i can't remember the name said said it this way every square inch is owned by him every square inch is owned by him so it's fitting that Jesus by whom are all things for whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation talking about us so that he could save us that he was made in bringing many sons to glory to make that would be him the captain of, of their salvation to make him, Jesus, perfect through sufferings. That's why I'm having a hard time going on with that verse because it just, it, for years I didn't really understand what that verse means and meant. That Jesus was to be made perfect through sufferings. Because the first part of the verse talks about the sovereignty of God. Everything was made by him and, and for him. And so it's almost like if you don't read it carefully, if you don't look at it carefully, if you don't think a little more deeply than the surface, it's, it's, it's possible to see it. Well, he talks about God being the sovereign God, and then he, then he comes down and he ends that verse. He's saying that he had to be made perfect through sufferings, perfect through sufferings, as if he's not already perfect. 
Perfect doesn't mean, in this case, and, and often, I'm not going to say every time in Scripture, but often in, in Scripture when you come across the word, the word perfect, we're not talking about like maybe sometimes we think of it. We're not talking about sinlessness. We're not talking about being sinless because if, especially uh, when you get into chapter, Hebrews chapter 4, at the end of that, uh, kind of talking along the same theme, theme it said that, that Jesus is our faithful high priest who was all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So when the Bible wants to talk about sinless, it sometimes will just say that. It will just say sinless without sin. So perfect is not sinless. Perfect in this sense is, is uh, complete. If you're looking, I, I think the screen will, will say this. Perfect means complete, mature, f- finished. Okay? So that's what the word means. Complete, mature, finished. Okay, I can get that a little better than, than, than sinless because I already know that Jesus was sinless. So how could he be made that if he already was God who cannot sin? But it is fitting for Jesus, who is the sovereign God, to be made perfect, complete, mature, finished work through suffering. <clears throat> the Bible doesn't lie. So Jesus had to go being God, but being man. Here's the, here's the thing. that where you, th- you have to think a little bit deeper than the shallow. God being God, Jesus being God, but then God coming down to earth and being man. Well, the only point of that is so that he could be made like us. So he could know how we feel. So he could know how we think. So he could understand the temptation that we go through. So he could understand stress. So that he would know what worry feels like. So he would know what temptation feels like. Now, I'm sure God could do it some other way, but this is the way he decided to do it. That through suffering, he'll learn this. He'll understand what you feel like. He'll understand how you think. Through suffering, he will be taught this. It will be, uh, he will be shaped to a perfect fit through suffering. Now, uh, when did the next screen will say, I believe, when will, uh, when did Jesus' suffering begin? By the way, there's an outline of this on this message on the back side of your announcements if you're looking at a hard copy. When did Jesus' sufferings begin? When did your sufferings begin? I want to talk about that word suffer right now just for a little bit. That's a big word. Because we don't, we, we absolutely know what it means. Everybody in the room knows what the word means to suffer. But we don't really use that a whole lot because for us, now maybe this is just me, but I was thinking about this thought, you know, why don't we use that, that word a whole lot? I don't know the last time I've used it in relation to me. To us, I think that we get, uh, I do, uh, let me just put it this way, I do. I don't use the word a lot because when I use the word suffer, it's like I really got to be suffering before I use that, that word, okay? For me, and I think for a lot of us, suffer is kind of like, 
the epitome of the worst thing we can go through, we might describe ourselves as, as suffering. But sometimes the, if, if we could classify our troubles, our pain, our burdens, our worries, our, our stresses, which we do, because there's some days not as much. Some days it's just like, man, that's I'm. It's all I can do. It's just, I'm having. I'm doing all I can do this day. We classify it. We we put a scale to it. Suffering, the word, is often reserved for the worst. Okay, it's not that. It, that's not the the case here. So when we read the verse that that Jesus learned, uh, per, was brought to perfection through suffering my mind would go immediately to the cross. And that's right, but that's not all that there is. Because we, my mind would go immediately to the cross because that's like the worst, you know. You can't, you can't get much worse than that. But that cross experience was just one day. But this is talking about Jesus' lifetime. Suffering, he learned it, he was brought to completion through suffering. It learned, he learned to make it fit through suffering through his life. When, was the, when did Jesus' suffering begin? Okay, when did your suffering begin? When did your suffering begin? You know, almost everybody in the room, uh, do you remember what the very first thing you did? You don't, do you? Right? Because you don't remember when you were born. Okay. It, maybe this is kind of stereotypical, but I have been there with, to see a lot of births. And I didn't even want to be there to see a lot of births, but I've been there to see a lot of births. What is this kind of the stereotypical thing? What is the first thing you did when you were born? Cry. Right? Do you remember that? You cried. Why? You don't know why. You don't remember why. But there you are in your mother's womb, 90, what's the degree? Whatever. <laughs> really warm, really comfortable, and then all of a sudden, you're not, and you're out, and they've got these bright lights shining on, on you, and a doctor's got his hands around you, and he's got his hands around your neck, and he's got, and he's pulled you out, and uh, that's, he's pulled you out and shoved you up in your parents' arms, and your parents are so excited, and they wrapped you in a blanket, but you're thinking the whole time, what is going on? And you start crying. Now, we don't think of that as suffering, but that really is what the, so let's use another word with it. It's not a bad word, but it, for us, we, it's just always the epitome of bad. But that's not what it always means. So another word I'm going to use, struggling. Struggling. And so Jesus learned, uh, became perfect, mature. He understood. He, he learned what it means to be a man. He knew what it means to be a human through suffering, through struggling, through struggling. And it's hard for us to wrap our heads around that, that, that a God who struggles, but he's going to have to if he's going to learn what it means to be you. 
He could never know what it means to be you if he doesn't struggle, suffer. Why? Because that's what you do. So, when Jesus was born in a manger, I'm assuming, what's the first thing he did? Cry. There's a, what's that, that Christmas song? Away in a manger, no room for a bed. Little Lord Jesus, lay down a sweet head. Somewhere in there, I've got to go through the whole, it's kind of like your ABCs, you know, you've got to go through the whole thing to know where G's at. But uh, lay down a sweet head, no crying he makes. Why did they put that in there? That's not true. He's just like you. So what did he do? He cried. I mean, now he comes out of the womb and he's thrown into a manger, you know. Okay. So all through his life, and, and I thought about this a lot. Of course I did this week, and I thought about, but you know, Jesus in his struggling and in his suffering, in his, the ministry that he had to do, the people he dealt with, the, the, the people he preached to, the, all the things that he did. And you've read the Gospels and just the life of Jesus, the people he met, the encounters that he made, the Pharisees, the, uh, the people who were on his side who betrayed him, the people who were not on his side and let everybody know I'm not on your side, the people who loved him but failed him, and then the people who didn't love him at all, they just hated him. Jesus never talks about that, does he? He never really, he never says, you know, John, I've had a really bad day. He just, he just never says that. But when you read the Gospels, you can know that he's had a really bad day. You remember there's two, two times that I can remember where Jesus spends all night in prayer. All night. And that's what the Bible, all night in prayer. Why would you do that? Because there's something going on that you need to do that. So he spends all night in, in, in prayer. There's something going on that makes him have to do that. But he's God, yeah. But he's God and he's man. And he's experiencing what it feels like to be a man. So the, the doubts, the fears, and he never talks about it. But we know that he had to go through it. So he spends all night in prayer. Well, if you're going to do that, that means there's something going on in your life. You're struggling. And you're suffering. And there are times he, he didn't spend all night in prayer, but he would send the disciples on. You all go ahead, and I'm going up on the mountain to pray. And then there were times where he, where he looked for a place to pray, but he couldn't find a place where the crowds would leave, leave him alone so he could pray. And he was looking for a place to get away by himself, and he couldn't find it because people, he was always, not always, but often you see it in, he's spending all night in prayer. He sends people away so he can be alone by himself to pray. He tries to find a place to pray, and he can't. He's trying to pray all the, he's just always praying. Why? Because he needs to. Why? Because he's man. Because he's just like us. And so he never says, hey, John, I'm having a real bad day. But he is, you know he is, because of the amount of time he has to spend in, in prayer. He's going through the suffering. He's going through the struggling, just like you and I are. So when did his suffering begin? The suffering began the same point our suffering did, our struggling, our whole life. It's going through the things that humans go through, just like humans go through them. 
So it's God learning, being made perfect, learning through suffering. Okay? Wow, there has to be another way. There could be, but this is the way God chose. And so when you look at the life of of Jesus and the, the manhood of Jesus, you can simply positively say he's just like us, except he's God. There is, and we go on, we will go on to the chapter four, the sinless part. He's tempted just like us. What I want to tell you is that he knows how you feel. And through suffering, he was made complete. And he became the perfect sacrifice for us. He became the perfect fit for us. Now, okay, let's stop right there. And turn it around and let's talk about you, us. Shaping to the perfect fit. Those words were in that scripture. It's fitting. The perfect is complete. Shaping to the perfect fit. How do you think that God shapes you to the perfect fit where he wants you? How do you think that he does that? Through suffering. Through struggling. I'm going to tell you this. I believe this with all my heart. Every time you've grown spiritually, every growth step you've ever taken spiritually was through a difficult time. Every advance, every spiritual advance, every spiritual growth was through a difficult time. You grew and you matured during the difficult times, not the good times, the difficult ones, the tough ones, the struggling times, the suffering times. How is God shaping you? How is God going to make you fit to that perfect fit where he can use you and you can, you can be used, where you can have an influence on someone else, where you can be used by God? He will do it, and he is doing it right now through your struggling, through your suffering. Now, on the hard copy, this won't be on the screen, but on the hard copy, if you've got one, I, I put a quote in there by Abraham Lincoln. And I'm not going to read the quote. It really wasn't even the quote itself, even though the quote does have something to do with the message. But it really wasn't the quote itself. It was the man, Abraham Lincoln, that I wanted a quote by. I've got a lot of quotes by, by him. If you're ranking... Presidents, and I look through that every, every once in a while. I'll go through a presidential ranking thing. Uh, I guess it's what I do. Uh, President Lincoln will always come in the top five. He will often come in the top two. You know who the other one is. And he will often come in the top one. Do you know the only reason you know... Do you, does anybody remember, and you have to go through the song, probably. Does anybody remember the president before Abraham Lincoln? Are you going through the president song? No, 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 no. Buchanan? Okay. And you went through the song to get that, right. Nobody remembers. Is it James Buchanan? You don't know the first name, do you, because it's not in the <laughs> Oh, you have the last. I think it's James Buchanan. But this is kind of the point. We struggle to remember the president before Abraham, Abraham Lincoln. Why? What makes Abraham Lincoln so great? 
What makes Abraham Lincoln so great? There's one thing. What, what is it? The only reason you remember Abraham Lincoln at all, what, what is it? The Civil War. The Civil War. Without the Civil War, there was nothing special about him. Nothing exceptional about him. The Civil War is why you remember him. Why do you remember George Washington, the, the one you probably thought of as number? Why do you remember him? Well, obviously he's the first one, you know, it's kind of easy. But what else is it that happened that you remember George Washington so well? The Revolutionary War. You know, I think I've got my history right. I know I'll get close. The, the United States in the Revolutionary War only won two battles, I believe. Only two. Now, we won the war, but only won two battles. Out of all the battles fought, we only won, I think, two. Washington himself, I think, only won one. Britain, we won because Britain just quit. You remember Washington because of the Revolutionary War, because he just wouldn't quit. You remember... Franklin, Franklin Roosevelt will always come in, probably the top five. Franklin Roosevelt, why do you remember him? Uh, who was the president before Franklin Roosevelt? Remember? Hard, tough, isn't it? Some of you may have, no, nah, I don't think any of you would have been alive. I, I'm not sure. I don't want to get into that, you know. You know, it's hard to remember who, who, Hoover, okay. It's hard to remember who the president was. Why? What is it about Franklin Roosevelt that you remember? Why do we remember him at all? The Great Depression and what? World War II. He was elected president four times in a row. He is the reason that we change the way we do that. Four times in a row. Why? Because we were going through the Great Depression and World War II. We wanted the man in the, to stay in there. He could have been elected five or six times if he would have lived. We remember him. We remember Lincoln and Washington and Roosevelt. Why? Because of the struggle, because of the suffering. It made them. It made them. And they were fit. For that purpose at that time. I know I'm, I'm just like you. I want it to be the other way. I don't want to suffer. I'm never going to choose that. I don't want to struggle. I'm never going to choose that. I want God to make me. I want God to shape me. I want God to make me fit some other way. There is no other way. There's not a plan B. And so, you know, I love success. I love the good times. I love the fun times. But it is not those times. Those times are not made to make us. They're just, time, they're just times to enjoy. Enjoy the good times. But they're not going to make you. And they're not going to shape you. They're not going to create in this place where you fit. That perfection, that maturity will only happen through suffering, through struggling. I don't, that's not fun news, but it's true news that it's going to happen through the struggling. Okay, that's 
what God is doing right now. Now, specifically, if I had each one of you could deal with you just individually, I don't know how it's going to turn out with you. I don't know specifically what God, I don't know the end game God does. And, and I don't pretend to be able to explain to you everything that God, but I do know this, that through whatever's going on with you right now, through the stress, the worry, the struggling, the suffering, God is molding you. He is shaping you. He is perfecting you where he can use you. He's making you where he can use you. That's what God is doing right now. I want you to know that I believe with beyond any doubt that God knows exactly what he's doing with you and that there is a purpose that he's undertaking right now. Everyone in this room is a project under construction. And he's molding, making, and shaping by your struggling. Okay? So I can't explain more than that, but I'm asking you now to trust him. To trust him. That he knows what he's doing. Like Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, Franklin Roosevelt, they all, had, they all went through those times of, God, are you sure you know what you're doing? And came to the conclusion, yes, God does know what he's, what he's doing in the midst of difficult times. I'm going to ask the band to come on up, uh, and we're going to uh, pray right now. I'm going to ask the congregation to stand with us. We have these brown chairs here, and these are our altars for now. And if you need to come to a chair, and you can stand, or you can sit in the chair, or you can kneel at that chair, and if you need to spend some time talking to the Lord about what's going on with you right now, there may be struggling, suffering, uncertainty, uh, not sure which way to turn, not sure what to do, you're human. You're human. And I want you to know, according to Scripture, that Jesus does know how you feel, that he was made perfect through suffering, just like God is doing with you right now. That's what he's doing with you right now. If you'd like to come and Spend some time in prayer while they sing. We invite you to come. What a friend we have in Jesus. Sin craves to bear. What to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Oh, 
temptations Is there trouble anywhere We should never be discouraged Take it to the Lord in prayer Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share Jesus knows our every weakness take it to the Lord in prayer are we weak and heavy But with the Lord of care, precious Savior, still our refuge, take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise for sake? a solace there. Take it to the Lord in prayer.